the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentanko's message today is entitled, The Service Paradox. That's The Service Paradox, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the conclusion to The Service Paradox. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. And God says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You see the word all, all, all. The second commandment is the call to duty. The first and great commandment is the call to personal devotion to God. The story of Mary and Martha teaches the importance of making the first commandment of personal devotion the most important part of your life. In Luke ten thirty-eight, the text continues, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha received him into her house. Now this verse is one of the most significant verses in the Gospel of Luke. I mean, we read over you know, this verse. You know, it's just part of the storyline, but it's not. This verse contains truth for you and me. The text says, Martha received Jesus into her house. It wasn't someone else's house. The text says it was her house. She received Jesus into her house, and so much is contained in this one statement. To receive Jesus, you have to accept Jesus. To have him come into your house, the house has to have an open door and a welcome hearth for him. Martha had a welcome place for Jesus in her home. Her claim to eternity was not anything great in the eyes of the world. Her claim to eternity was her choice to receive Jesus into her house. And here's the vital question I ask you. Have you received Jesus into your house? Have you? Have you gone through your house and cleaned out the stuff that would make it hard for Jesus to come and sit down in your house? Have you taken a look at the book rack and the stuff that you read? Or have you considered the stuff that's in your DVD rack? What do you absorb yourself with for music? And what is the stuff you talk about in the home? Is your home a place where you could accept Jesus into your house? I mean, Martha was a believer. She received the Lord into her house, and she should be very much looked up to because of this. She's a model for us in this way. The Bible says it was her house. It wasn't someone else's house. She was the one who owned the home and ruled the hearth. It was her house. Maybe she was an entrepreneur woman who was able to make money and get ahead and provide real estate for herself. She's very obviously a very capable person. Verse 39 stands in contrast to verse 38. Verse 38 is about Martha who invited Jesus into her house. But verse 39 is about Mary who sat at Jesus' feet in Martha's house. Luke 10, 39. Let's look at the verse as the story continues. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now there's no record of Mary ever teaching anyone anything as a teacher. 
Mary was not a great preacher. There's no evidence she was a preacher. She was not a deep theologian. She didn't write books that people read. And her ideas never changed the world of her day. I mean, she just simply wasn't that kind of person. There's no evidence, in fact, that she possessed any unusual talent. Mary was just Mary. Now, Luke tells us that Mary and Martha were sisters, but the Gospel of John tells us that they had a brother named Lazarus. And the Gospel of John, in this sense, agrees that this was a family connection that we're viewing here. But John adds a detail about Mary that is important in the storyline. John chapter 11, verse 2. It says, It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, when you read the Gospel of Luke, the same story appears. But in the Gospel of Luke, this woman is not named. That means Mary is the unnamed woman in the Gospel of Luke who washed Jesus' feet. And Luke describes her as a woman with a bad reputation. Turn to Luke 7, verse 37. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. That's Mary. You connect the biblical dots, the storyline becomes clear. This is Mary, the sister of Martha, who is at Jesus' feet, washing his feet in repentance and love with tears running down her face. Luke says she was a woman of the city, and he is quick to add she was a sinner. I mean, you know, sometimes when sinners come to church, they have a hard time, don't they? I mean, they come to church, and sinners who look like saints act like they aren't sinners and make it hard on sinners to come to church and hear God or to come to Jesus' feet and bow down. Now, that's not our place. We need to hold standards high in our own life. We need to promote righteousness where we can. But God doesn't make us a judge of someone who is where they're at coming to church seeking the Lord. I hope our church in the future is full of sinners who need Jesus Christ with bad reputations, with disgraceful pasts, with backgrounds that they don't want to talk about. I hope they come right here because I want them to be saved in God's kingdom and we need to be saved by accepting them and helping them to grow. The woman who washed Jesus' feet found grace at the feet of Jesus. The woman who bathed them with her tears found forgiveness at the feet of Jesus. The woman who was a woman of the city found pity at the feet of Jesus. She found a hearth instead of a place in the night. And the woman who was a sinner found freedom from sin at the feet of Jesus. I mean, the feet of Jesus is a good place to go when you're a sinner and a woman of the night or a hypocrite in the church or anything else, isn't it? The feet of Jesus is the right place to go. And so John says that woman was Mary. It's no accident that Mary is found in the house of Martha at the feet of Jesus. That's where she found grace and that's where she stayed at the feet of Jesus. Dear heart, you cannot be lost at the feet of Jesus. You cannot be defeated at the feet of Jesus. You cannot return to sin And you cannot be overcome with sorrow at the feet of Jesus. And your past, and whatever you've done that you don't want anyone to know, and they don't need to know, your past does not matter to God at the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus is where you find the one who finds you. In verse 39, Luke says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. We don't find Mary in front of a home entertainment system blowing her time. We don't find Mary talking about tea and nonsense stuff. 
We don't find Mary trying to teach others deep ideas that aren't real and don't matter. Mary's claim to fame is silence at the feet of Jesus, hearing the word of God, absorbing his teaching, listening to the master, letting the master become her master every day, more and more and more. And the text says she listened to his teaching. You can't listen if you're talking all the time. So there's a time for silence and devotion. Jesus' teaching is the most profound truth you can experience in your life. It may not sound profound to the worldly wise, but for the soul that sins, for the person of the night, for the person who knows that they can't stand before God in the judgment day with the rags of their own righteousness, that there is no good in them outside of God, for that person, the teaching of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus at the feet of Jesus is profound stuff. When was the last time you sat at Jesus' feet in your house? You cut off the TV and you stopped the noise and you quit answering the phone. You listened to him in silence as you read the Holy Scriptures. Luke 10, 40. But Martha, and the word but here introduces a contrast. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The text says Martha was distracted. The Greek word is perispao, and it means literally to be drawn around something. It indicates that Martha was drawn away by much serving, but in a circuitous kind of way, she was moving about in a busy fashion. Duty pulled her away from Jesus and around everything else in the house. And she went around the house being busy for Jesus, neglecting Jesus at the same time. And that's the service paradox. There's only one problem here, and it is the service paradox. Martha let serving Jesus draw her into a circle of busyness away from devotion to Jesus. Luke says she was busy with much. The text indicates that she had turned hospitality into a burden. Serving Jesus became hard for her because she did not have time for devotion to Jesus. And when faced with the choice of duty over devotion, she chose duty over devotion because she needed to get the work done. And when she finally came to Jesus, she was mad at Jesus. So the circle brought her back to Christ, but she was angry at him because in a way he was the reason she was doing all this, getting bent out of shape. She was upset with him because of the burden of service that she felt because he was in the house. She said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Uh, The woman who received Jesus into her house lost Jesus in the same house she served. When a person serves alone, and the Lord never commanded that, in fact, he commanded that service occur in teams, two by two, or in groups of 12 or 70, but always teams. And so service without devotion here described, and she said, Mary, left me to serve alone. Service without devotion is loneliness in action. Did you hear what I said? Service without devotion is loneliness and action. Martha became a missionary of her misery. She became an ambassador of the service paradox. She said, Lord, tell Mary to help me. For Mary to help Martha, Mary had to leave Jesus. And that's the service paradox. And leaving Jesus doesn't help anybody in the end, does it? So you don't need to leave Jesus to serve Jesus. If you're leaving Christ to serve Christ, you're not serving Christ. Luke 10, 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. 
You know, anxieties and troubles are the stuff of life. Am I right or wrong? Martha had many of them. And the truth is that no one needs anxiety and trouble at all. We don't need that in our life, do we? No. Jesus said one thing is needful. And this is a subtle reference to the great commandment of Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jesus said one thing is needful. Moses said the Lord our God is one. And that is the introduction to the great commandment of Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's what we need. That's the first duty of life. The Lord is one, and Jesus said, one thing is needful. People need the Lord. That's what he's saying. People need to sit down at the feet of Jesus and feast on his word. People need to stop cooking up ideas and start eating the word of God. People need to stop sweeping the floor and sit on the floor at the feet of Jesus. One thing is needful. And Mary chose the better portion. She chose devotion to Jesus as her first and foremost duty in life. And service came later as the outwork of her walk with Christ. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, there is no service paradox anymore. In fact, Mary had no service paradox. Duty is not at odds with devotion. Because sitting at the feet of Jesus makes your work easy and the burden light. Sitting at the feet of Jesus gives meaning to service. Sitting at the feet of Jesus injects mercy into the activities of the church. I mean, if you're having to twist somebody's arm or you're frenetic and frantic about your work to where you have to say, if you don't do this, I'm going to come unglue. It's not going to happen. Then you need to go back into your closet and sit at the feet of Jesus for a while. And even duty becomes devotion when you seek the better portion first. And I have found this true in my life. When I feel like I'm worn out and tensed and tired... You know, if it's not some illness or something, very often it's a call to go to the closet and seek the Lord in devotion. Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I mean, God cares about the details of your life. He cares about your work. He cares about your future. He cares about your health. But what He cares most about is you having a relationship with Him first, and then He'll work on all those things with you. When you make sitting at Jesus' feet the first priority of your life, The life is ordered and the needs of life are fully met. Jesus said, it shall not be taken away from her. It shall not be taken away from Mary. No, it shall not. If you want Jesus enough to sit at his feet, you will get exactly what you want in this life and in eternity. You will have Jesus as the treasure of your life. You will grow and you will know and you will change. And you will not even notice the changes. Because your focus is not on you, it's on Jesus. And no one will take their better portion away from you. You know, I'm the kind of guy that likes a good deal. Anybody here like a good deal? Like a good deal? I like a good deal. I like the marketplace. I like to go to the Middle East where you can just bargain with these people. Now, I went to India on some permission trips. And I got some stuff for my wife. I had this treasure box. And I would go over there and I'd buy her little jewels. My wife does not wear jewelry. But she collects these jewels in this hidden treasure box. It represents the hidden treasure of the heart, which represents the inner beauty. So I get her jewels that I could afford that weren't crazy off the charts, but still were kind of sacrificial. And I was trying to get a good deal on them. I got taken quite a bit. I got some fake jewels from these guys. They were pretty slick. I found an emerald that was worth like 800 and something dollars, and I paid 300 for it. My son lost it. 
because he got into mommy's treasure box. He later found it two years later under a tree on the school ground where he went to school. And it was quite an amazing thing. You pray for two years, it comes back. That's how it works. So I'm the kind of guy that likes a good deal. I search the internet for the best price and I bargain when I can't get it. When I can, I try to get it lower. I shop on eBay, but my favorite website is Craigslist. Anybody shop on Craigslist? Yes, Craigslist people. You enter the word into the search engine, it gives you all these cities, and you find it right in your own town. You call the guy up, you set up some appointment at some third-party place, and you do the exchange with money and the object out there in the open under God's great sun. I mean, this is the marketplace, Craigslist. Now, many of you know that I own two Ford vehicles, a Ford Taurus X and a Ford Freestyle. The Taurus X has a 3.8-liter engine and plenty of pep. I mean, it really goes. The Ford Freestyle has a 3-liter engine. It kind of limps along with good fuel efficiency. The Taurus X has leather seats, a premium sound system. And when we bought the two vehicles, my wife got that one. The Ford Freestyle basically gets you there with minimal comfort. That's mine. My boys make fun of the Ford Freestyle, which they call a golden retriever. They say, Dad, you're driving around a golden retriever all the time. I said, I like my golden retriever. Don't knock it. Shortly after I bought the cars, I discovered they both took 17-inch tires. And boy, are they expensive. So I started wheeling and dealing to buy some used tires. My mechanic found a pair for my wife's car that was basically new, brand new. He found a pair for my car that weren't so new. I'm still negotiating about returning them. Three days after I had mine installed recently, I noticed that my front tire was almost flat. So I carried a pump along with me to keep the tire filled. So here I am, you know, as I'm going along, it goes down, I stop the car, pull over, and I pump up my tire and keep on going. That's not the way you want to function in life. I had the tire checked by the mechanic. He says, it's fine. He replaced the valve. I went on. Sure enough, the tire went down again. I'm having trouble with my tire situation. It just so happens that a rattling sound had also formed in the front suspension. Now, I checked the service bulletin. And they said the suspension had one flaw that needed to be corrected. I went to the Ford Service Center, and they said it would cost almost $1,000 to fix that flaw. Ouch. For me, $1,000 is a lot of money. How many of you would agree? Okay, good. You're with me. I sat down with the manager. I didn't take the attendance analysis. I said, I need to talk to the manager. The tenant felt deflated. I went to the manager. I sat down with him. I began to reason with him. I said, I bought three cars, two. I returned one, bought another one. So I bought three cars cash two years ago here. And I said, I figure I'm a good customer. I need to talk to you. I talked about my friend at Dearborn who had found the problem, how this was probably the case. And I wanted them to stand by their work. So the process took a few days and the $1,000 price tag came down to just under $300. Striking range. I agreed. When the day came to get it fixed, it was 7.30 Thursday morning. I arrived at the Ford Service Center with my golden retriever, the Ford Freestyle. I informed the attendant that my mechanic across the street had diagnosed the problem as a faulty axle. You see, I had hedged against their analysis. I went to my mechanic and asked him to look at all results. When they were servicing your transmission, they must have damaged the axles. This is what it is. It's under warranty. You're fine. It won't even be $300. So I went there with my mechanic's analysis. And as I mentioned to the attendant, I laid it right there in front of her. And I said, we kind of know what's happening. And then I mentioned to the attendant that I had a small leak in the right tire on the front. And then I did the dumb thing. We all do those in life, don't we? Be easy on the preacher. I said, I purchased the tires from my mechanic across the street. 
Suddenly, the nice attendant turned red as a beet and she stormed into the parking lot, muttering angry stuff under her breath. I will not repeat today. When I got outside, I followed her out. I did something else that was dumb. I asked her the wrong question. I asked her what was wrong. And boy, did she start telling me what was wrong. She said, Mr. Oxentanko, you brought two Ford vehicles from this dealership. I said, three. She says, it doesn't matter. And we have faithfully served you. And we've cut you the deal on fixing your car when we didn't owe you a thing based on the warranty agreement. And she said, Mr. Oxentanko, we're the experts on Fords. We make them. We service them. And Mr. Oxentanko, you don't trust us enough to fix your own car right here. You came in here and you tell us what's wrong with your car before we have a chance to examine it for ourselves. And then you buy tires from your mechanic across the street. I said, well, he was the one who told me to buy the cars from you in the first place. It doesn't matter. She said, Mr. Oxentanko, we can't fix your car unless you trust us enough to have a relationship with us. We need to be your mechanic on this side of the street. You cannot have two mechanics fixing your car on this side of the street at this service center. That was pretty good, wasn't it? I was totally silenced by her reason and eloquence. I said, ma'am, you are 100% right. I need to trust you enough to let you fix my car on this side of the street. And you must be my mechanic on this side of the street. Will you forgive me for trying to do it all myself instead of trusting you? She forgave me. And that day the Ford dealership became my dealership on that side of the street. Dear heart, Jesus Christ is waiting to have a relationship with you on his side of the street, not yours. And he can't fix your life if you're trying to fix everything yourself. You can't work your way into favor with him. You can't figure out all the flaws in you. You can't analyze what is your need. You aren't that smart. And you can't get to square one if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You have to trust him and enter into a trust relationship. You can't wheel and deal your way out of sin without him. So sitting at the feet of Jesus means letting Jesus teach you a thing or two that you don't know. And when you sit at the feet of Jesus, you stop trying to fix everything yourself. He becomes the expert with all the answers to every single challenge in your life. He becomes the soul's mechanic. At the feet of Jesus, the service paradox comes to an end because Jesus is the last service center you need. He has the knowledge and the power to fix the broken life every day for the rest of your life so you are no longer broken. Mary discovered that all of life's challenges find their solutions at the feet of Jesus. And this is the truth, this is the truth that sets the life free from the service paradox. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Father, we can't grasp it with logic how before there was a was, before the fabric of time-space was created by an omnipotent mind, the reality of eternity was you and your Son and the Holy Spirit. And that the first light was the first word, who was Jesus, pierced the darkness and made all that is be. And that somehow, Father, as he was manifest as a being in the Old Testament, the guardian of Israel, he came to this world as a human being, a human baby, and became our friend, died for us, taught us, and people, simple people like us, found their way to his feet and learned the great things of God from someone who looked like us but was more than us. Father, thank you for Jesus. And may every heart that's here a sincere seeker of truth not look away 
with pride in their heart, but may they give a serious consideration to the one who gave up everything, who made the journey from infinity to death in a tomb to take us out of the tomb to glory. Father, we love you only because Jesus has come to us. Help us to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message is ministered to you, remember there are many more just like it at reachingyourheart.com. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts. And you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. These are urgent times and God has an urgent message. God's message in Revelation is one of warning and encouragement. And it's a personal appeal to all of mankind. It is his final message before sweeping changes occur across the globe. Events that will take place just prior to Christ's second coming. You see, God doesn't want his church to be surprised by the events that will take place. He wants his church ready for his return. We have a book titled God's Last Altar Call that will encourage you and help you understand what events must take place as found in the book of Revelation. We'll send you this book for a donation of any amount and pray that you will be encouraged to know that you can discern the events that must take place prior to his second coming. Please call at any time, 24-7-888-244-HOPE. And with a donation of any amount, we'll send the book right out to you entitled God's Last Altar Call. We pray that you will be lifted up by the biblical insights in this book and grow spiritually in your walk with Christ. Join us again next time for another edition of Reaching Your Heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.